about taking back what the enemy has stolen. And uh, I had a joke last week. I have a joke for you this week. A man calls into the credit card company and says, hey, I just want to report that my wife's credit cards have been stolen. They said, well, sir, we'll get on this right away. We'll counsel them. We'll get new ones. He goes, no, 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 no. He said, just wait. And they said, why would you want us to wait? And he goes, well, the guy who stole it is charging less than my wife has been charging, so I'm okay with that. So if we can, can we put up that quote that we did last week from C.S. Lewis? All right. I want to take a look at this because this thought has been running through my mind. And it says, isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes? Man, I look back when we were changing diapers. I felt like we changed diapers every day. That's all I bought at Walmart was diapers. And now they're driving and, and getting it to be teenagers. Pretty soon I will have no non-teenagers in the house. Man, that's I have a 12-year-old that's going to be hitting 13 here in a week or so. But you look back and they do change. And it says the day by day how nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different. And that's sometimes in life. We look back saying, you know, nothing's been changing and I haven't been getting any breaks and nothing's been going right my way. But then we look back and a lot of things have been different. We're talking about taking back what the enemy has stolen. And the title of this is CSI. And if you remember the TV show, it's Crime Scene Investigation. Well, let's take a look because we do have a crime scene. Because whether you realize it or not, the enemy, Satan, has been stealing from you. Now, last week we talked about how Satan has stolen things that are not of material value. Yes, you may have had your, your phone stolen or, or a car. But what Satan is really interested in is not the physical. He's more interested in the spiritual. Because the spiritual is eternal. You see, anything that you can see is temporary. Anything that is unseen is eternal. So your car, even though how much you love it, is one day going to break down and be rust. That home that you strive all your life for will one day be burnt. But you, you are eternal. Satan knows the value of your soul being eternal, and that's what he's after. He doesn't care about your iPhone. He doesn't care about your car. He doesn't care about all this. What he wants is he wants you. So he clearly and cleverly takes away, and what we talked about last week was how he can take away our first love that we have when we're, we're first with Christ. How excited we are. Just like when you're in that new relationship and all you do is you think about that person and, and write about that person. Well, when we first come to Christ, we have that zeal and we share that with everyone about how much Christ has done in our life. He'll also try to steal your joy. He'll try to steal your faith. He's trying to, to, to replace temporary things. And we slowly fall into that trap and we're not realizing that's what's happening. Well, Ephesians 6.12 is a very familiar verse that you should know. But what six, Ephesians 6.12 is saying is that this is not a wrestling match against a human opponent. We are wrestling with rulers, authorities, and powers who govern the world of darkness and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly worlds. See, it's a spiritual battle that we face each day. So why is it that every time I get up to preach and say, this is the day the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it? Because, see, Satan is trying to take away your joy. He's trying to take away your purpose. And we will rejoice and be glad in this day that he's given us. There are many people in the hospital struggling to go through this day. 
striving for another day. And here we've been given this as a, as a gift from God. And let's appreciate that. But see, Satan is trying to steal things from us. You see, Satan was there when you were in first grade and somebody made fun of you. Satan was there when you fell in love and somebody broke your heart for the very first time. You know what? Satan or one of his evil minions was there when, when somebody lied about you. Or wrote something and put it on Facebook that wasn't true. Just to see how you react. All it is is just testing to see where's your weakness. Maybe you can call my dog ugly and I don't respond but start dealing with one of my kids and all of a sudden I fall apart. That's what he's trying to notice. He's constantly seeing how we face temptations. What are the subtleties? Remember a couple weeks ago, one of my favorite messages, there's samples of sin. Everything's a sample. Hey, just try this. It, it, it doesn't hurt. It's, it, this one's free. This will make you feel better. This will make you forget. This will make you happy. This will make you sad. What is it telling us about our lives when we need controlled substances to make us happy? That our joy has been stolen. Amen? So what happens is Satan is trying to see where our weaknesses are and telling us what we can do to substitute that. John 10.10, which is a passage I shared with you last week, says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, last week we talked about a very simple breakdown of this passage. Do you all remember this? We looked at it in the Greek and the Hebrew and the, the Polynesian and the African. And we came down to this very simple thing. God is good. Satan is bad. Okay? You can look at it every way you want to, but that's how this verse breaks down. And if it's good, it's from God. And if it's bad, it's from Satan. See, what happens is some of us start throwing God into that mix. You see, God is good. God loves you more purely than even a parent. I, I love my kids, but I'm still imperfect. God is perfect and loves with a perfect love. So if it's good, it's from God. And if it's bad, it's from Satan. That's what this passage is saying. Because the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. When we look at this passage, we've looked at it many times this way, but I also want to look at technically the Greek word. Because in the Greek, thief here is klepto. Now klepto is to steal abundantly like kleptomaniac, but klepto, as you start looking at it, really refers to being almost a pickpocket. To steal without being noticed. The Greek word, when it says the thief is coming to steal, he's trying to steal from you without you ever being aware that it's stolen. What does a pickpocket do? They bump into you, and then all of a sudden, later on, you're like, hey, my, my wallet, my, my watch, where is it? And it wasn't noticed at the time. That's how subtle Satan comes into your household how he comes into your, your family, into your environments, and starts removing things so suddenly. It's not a sudden thing where somebody's like, hey, I, I lost my joy today. It's been a very gradual process. I lost my zeal for Christ. It's been a very gradual process. As we look also through this passage, it says that the devil will try to steal your joy, your peace. And Jesus says that the devil will try to kill well, when we look at the Greek word for this word, it also means thuo, T-H-U-O, which means to sacrifice. 
to sacrifice means to surrender something that is precious or dear. And what this is telling us is what Satan can't steal, he'll try to convince us to give up, to sacrifice. When we speak words of fear, we come into agreement with Satan. And when we speak words of faith, we come into agreement with the Word of God. Okay? This is not rocket science. When we come into agreement, there is power. Okay? If I said to, to, to Greg Hines, I said, Greg, I'm going to watch your back, you watch my back, and we're going we're gonna to get through this. There's an agreement, and now there's more power. I have somebody watching my back. And then if I said, hey, Danny, come join us, because the three of us, we've got to get through this thing, and we're going to be watching each other's back. And the more that we come together, there's more agreement, and there's more power than me going through something alone. And what happens is when you start speaking fear, you're starting to speak agreement in with Satan and empowering Satan in your life. Do you remember in Genesis 3 when it talks about how Adam and Eve and Eve is standing there and Satan comes up and says, you know, hey, everything's beautiful. And he's like, yeah, it's beautiful. And by the way, what about that? And surely you can eat that and you won't die. Remember? God, God didn't really mean this. And what happened when Eve came into agreement with Satan? And Adam also came into agreement. It empowered Satan because they surrendered something that had been given to them. They now gave to Satan. And it all came through agreement. I, I hope you're grasping this because when you start speaking words of fear, you are empowering Satan and all the evil that's happening in this world. So when somebody says, when the doctor says, hey, this is the report, so you know what, that's your report, but I'm going to stand on the report of the Lord my God. When the employer wants to see you Monday morning at 9 o'clock and you don't know why, you start getting into the Word of God. You start saying, God, no matter what happens, I know that you're my source, you are my strength, you're my refuge. I'm going to walk into that office smiling because I know that you hold my tomorrows. This employer doesn't hold my tomorrow. You hold my tomorrows. What can mayor man do to me? See, they can only take my life, but God has a plan for me. This life right now, my 80, 90 plus years is a vapor. I mean, when you really look at eternity, this is nothing compared to what God has planned for us. This is almost like a quick little waiting room before we get to go into the presence of God. Now, this may seem like a really long waiting room to you, but to God, it's but a brief instant. So when we come into agreement, I'm, I'm hoping you're catching this, when we come into agreement with fear and doubt, we are empowering Satan in that situation. We are. We're throwing the gasoline on that little spark. But when we speak words of faith, when we start speaking the word of God, when we start declaring God's promises, that's why we ended last week with a declaration of what had been stolen is going to be repaid back. When you start speaking the word of God, all of a sudden you're empowering God into that situation. And God says, look at that. Look at that little town of Pantigo. I know it's a dot, but look at that. There are a group of believers that are just bodacious in their faith. Now that's a Texan term for you. You know what I mean? Bodacious faith. That would be from the book of Bubba. But the bodacious faith, okay? And I want us to have that bodacious faith. I want us to say, you know what, God? If it's in here, it's for me. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, but I've never seen a miracle. Great, let's do it right now. 
in John 10, 10, Jesus does promise at the end that he would come and give us life and give it abundantly. If you look up the Greek word in that life is Zoe, Zoe, Z-O-E, and it, it means abundant and vitality. And I like those words. See, I, if you're going to go through life, go through life with zeal. Don't go through life with just misery. Go through life with zeal. Embrace life. Love life. Love others. See others as God sees others. Be a force. Walk in your purpose. Trust God. Love. Don't hate. Man, it sounds like a 60s sermon, doesn't it? It's a joke. Okay, I mean, this is... <laughs> God wants us to love. God wants us to live life abundantly. But I don't see the church living an abundant life. I, I don't. I, I, see, I see mainline denominations dwindling. I see house churches growing. I see move of gods in places where, where religion is banned growing underground. You see, it's almost like that struggle is what's pushing people through. It sometimes becomes too easy here to worship God. We've got, what, four or five Christian radio stations. We've got four or five Christian TV stations. Do I need to go to church? Nah. But all of a sudden, if persecution starts coming in, hey, I need to call pastor. I, I, need, I need some people to start praying. I need, I need to start get, I need to go to church. See, that's what happened after 9-11. Do you remember? It was a horrific event that we'll never forget. You'll never forget where you were when you first saw it. But I also don't forget all of the signs, the billboards that says, God bless America. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking to church signs. I'm talking Kentucky Fried Chicken was putting God bless America on it. That's a good combination right there. Kristen said, I can't talk about foods. I'm not talking about it. I'm just saying there were a lot of signs. And I pray that America doesn't have to go through a situation like that where we turn back to Christ. Where we realize that we are nothing and he is everything. We may have a great government. We may have a great military force. But we're still nothing in the eyes of God. But by grace we are saved. By grace. Why are we trying to earn things under the law when we've been given it by grace? Why are we striving so hard when God gave us everything when he sent his son? Why is loving others so difficult for us? Because maybe love has been somewhat stolen from our life. Maybe trust has been stolen very subtly from our life. I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again like that. Never going to trust anybody. Mm -mm. And so we start building these walls. And you know what? Walls are okay, but walls also keep people out. And it also keeps you from seeing other people. It isolates you. And all of a sudden, isolation is a perfect target for, for Satan. Because even the Word of God says, don't forsake getting together. Why is that important? Because I need you and you need me. And it's, not, it's a 50-50 relationship. It really is. Because there are times, man, some of the Christian will come in and say, look, look at what they post on Facebook. Look, look at, you know, so I, and I said, man, I thought they were sleeping. But here they were, they were texting. See, what was happening is that encouraged me because you were here. It's something that I thought, man, nobody even caught. They're like posting and, and it's happening and other people are liking it. We had somebody, what was it? We had 333 likes on one of our little statements. We didn't even know we had 333 people in our church. <laughs> social media is going and why is because you're coming in and you're getting a nugget whether it's just the simple god is good and satan's bad hey 
That's that's 101 right there, okay? And if that's the one thing you grasp from today, then <laughs> I accomplished what God sent me to do. But also, if you said, you know what, I'm realizing that when I'm speaking words of fear, I'm empowering Satan, and I am tired of Satan dealing in my house. I'm tired of Satan dealing in my finances. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being useless. I feel like I have no purpose. Then kick Satan to the curb. And how do we do that? By declaring the word of God. Start putting on praise music in your house. Run it 24-7 if you have to. You will get rid of all the evil forces that are trying to destroy you. Let's take a look real quickly today at two other things that Satan is trying to steal. And number one, it's the value in knowing your purpose. The value in knowing your purpose. Satan knows that you were born with a purpose. See, in reality, Satan knows more about you and eternity than you do. And he knows that every creation has a purpose. People go through life lost without purpose because they've never asked God to and sought God to show me your purpose. It's not a quick Sunday morning prayer. Oh yeah, God, show me purpose. Amen. No, it is a hungering force. And God, where, what is my purpose in life? How do I impact people during my life on this earth? How will I be remembered once I'm gone? Why was I created, God? That is the purpose. In Jeremiah 29, 11, which many of you have crocheted on your pillow, says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And they are plans for peace and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future filled with hope. Satan is trying to keep you from knowing your hope. Satan is trying to keep you from walking in your dreams. Remember, he's trying to still kill and destroy everything about you. God has birthed this into you. See, Satan is not concerned where you are right now. He's concerned on where you're going after you hear a message like this. He really could care less where you are right now. But he doesn't want you growing in the Word. He doesn't want you worshiping God. He doesn't want you encouraging. He doesn't want you giving. Giving? Giving my time to help others? Giving of my resources? He doesn't want you doing that. He wants you to focus on you. Focus on you. Focus on you. Are you happy? Are you content? And why aren't you happy and content? Because all those evil people out there don't... That's what Satan tries to start twisting. We need to take our eyes off of ourselves and on our eyes on other people. And say, God, would you show me people the way you see people? Would you help me to love people unconditionally? Wow. Could you imagine if we as a group of believers truly love people unconditionally? We'd have to have seven services in this little studio. Because we weren't judging them. We weren't condemning them. We're helping them. We're encouraging them. We're building them up. Even during the week, we're calling them. Just tell them, hey, I was just thinking about you. I'm just praying for you. Satan will send people into your lives to discourage you, to tear you down, because words are very important. See, Thomas Edison, the great inventor, was told as a child that he was too stupid to learn. Bill Wilson, Winston, the, the, no, Bill Wilson, the founders of Alcoholic Anonymous, was told that he was a hopeless drunk who would never accomplish anything. And yet millions of lives have been helped by his program recover out of alcoholism. There will always be people that will tell you why your dream won't work. 
there will be people to tell you why you're too old, you're not talented, you don't have enough giftings. Do you know what you've done in the past? What do you think you're qualified to talk to other people about God? That's his, probably his number one thing. What do you know about God that you could tell God to others? Hey, I can tell them that God loves them. God loves me. And then even when I was a really horrible person, God cared just so much that he came after me. We need to stand firm. Because there will be a constant bombardment of people trying to tell you why you can't fulfill your purpose. Why this is not the right time. Why there's not enough finances. Why you're not the right age. Whatever they are, lying lies coming into your life, they're going to try to tell you why it won't happen. Last night, Ashlyn was talking to me about a video that she had seen about uh, from Francis Chan about marriage. And it was talking about how we see marriage and how God sees marriage. And what this video was talking about is that when you take two people that have a purpose and God unites them in marriage, then they become powerful together. Agreement, remember? Remember the agreement? See, it's not two people fulfilling their purposes separately. It's God merging those two into a more powerful purpose. And that's the beauty of marriage. Marriage is that it's the threefold cord. You wrap God around this and you've got a very powerful tool. See, sometimes we don't think about that. But that's why God brings that person into your life so that they can blend that and both of you in agreement can be more powerful together than you were separately. The power of agreement, the power of purpose. Very important things that we need to know. When Satan does start coming into your life and you start getting discouraged, that's when you need to stand firm. That's when you need to draw the line in the sand and say no more, no more, no more. See, some of you haven't gotten to that point where you've drawn that line yet. No more. Stand firm. Joshua 1.9. Great passage. Have I not commanded you to be strong and be courageous and do not tremble or be afraid because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be bold. Do not be scared. Be bold. Let's come. We need to get some Holy Spirit boldness back in the church. Oh, we don't do this because no. Or I don't say this because oh no. See, God's looking for some people with some boldness that have been enough in the Word to get dangerous and say, wait a minute. I can start praying this over my city. I can start praying this over my family. I can start praying this over my, my finances and over my body. If it's in the Word of God, it's a promise to me because I'm a seed of Abraham, so I'm going to start declaring this over my life. And that's when you start getting dangerous to the spiritual forces. Point number two is the value of your testimony. Never, never, never underestimate the power of your words. Never, never, never underestimate the power of your words. Your recommendation can steer somebody to a restaurant. Your, your denial of a place can keep you out of a, a great place. A, a common little thought or statement could, could change the way you see yourself in image. Many young lives have been ruined by a critical tongue. Why can't you be like this person? Why can't you do this? How come you're not as good as them? 
or sometimes there's been some words spoken over people that have destroyed their lives. Now we call it cyberbullying. See, that comes through social networking. When I was a kid, there was no internet. Social networking was kickball, okay? That's when you went out and you played and you got to know everybody and what was happening. And when you're standing on base, you talk to somebody. And then you ran to the next base and you talked to another person. That was social networking. But now we have a way that we can bully people and tear them down electronically. And don't realize that Satan is not using that. I read a statistic two days ago that every 40 seconds, somebody commits suicide in this country. I mean, I may have been naive, but I probably would have guessed maybe 30 people a day, 40 seconds. Which means that even while I've been on this point, somebody's committed suicide. Because they didn't feel life was worth living, no purpose. They felt like there was no joy, it had been stolen. They felt like there was no hope, it had been stolen. And guess who did stealing? Remember? Who's good? Who's bad? Remember? God is good, Satan is bad, so who did the stealing? Satan, very good, okay? People all around us are dying because they have no hope, they don't have what you have. They did not hear this encouraging message, but you can go into their world and you can share hope and you can share peace. And whether you're just saying, hey, I just wanna let you know, I've been praying for you this week. What? I just want you to know I've been praying for you. In fact, is there anything specific you want me to pray for? And they'll either open up or they'll just tell you where you can go. That's why we're praying so that they don't go there. We're there for a reason. You're there for a purpose. But don't ever give up the words that you have of your testimony. You can like something on Facebook and affect people. But Satan thinks that if he can destroy your testimony, he can destroy you. You see, what happens is when we first get saved and, and we get in that relationship with Jesus Christ, and we are very zealous about God and we just love everybody, we're telling everybody, and we start wearing Christian t-shirts and we're smacking our bumpers with all the stickers, and man, we're just blaring the Christian music at the, at the red light. And we just want to tell everybody. And then all of a sudden, really interesting things starts happening. And, and they're called trials. And trials start coming into your life, and, and temptations, and, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I don't feel as tingly as I used to, and this is really hard, and, and that guy spat on me when I said that Jesus loves you. And I've never been spit on before. I didn't like that. Satan starts whispering in your ear, trying to take that away from you. He's trying to take the joy that we have in sharing. And we think that because trials have come into our life, it was because of something we did. See, that's when Satan starts lying to you. So, see, you, you didn't really get saved. If you were so saved and so perfect, then this wouldn't be happening to you. Satan is what's sending the trials into your life. Remember, God is good, Satan is bad. So when Satan sends these in, this is what 1 Peter 4 has to say. 1 Peter 4.12 tells us, Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery troubles that are coming in order to test you. And don't feel as though something strange is happening to you. What's happening is Satan is upset that you're getting your life straightened out. You're becoming a potential threat spiritually, and he's gonna try to take you out. Also, 1 Peter 1.6 says, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, 
even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what it's saying is no matter what we're going through, we're going to glorify, we're going to give God the praise and the glory. Dino, I love what you shared today about bless the Lord, O my soul. There are times you have to start blessing the Lord when you don't feel like it. And even though Dino just stopped at the soul, there have been times where I've said, soul, uh, bless the Lord, mind, come into agreement with the word of God and you will bless the Lord. Mouth will start speaking blessings and not curses. Hands, we are going to bless the Lord. Okay? You see, you have to start taking authority and inventory of what God's given you and saying, Every, everything that is in me will bless the Lord. Everything that's in me. That means my pride. Oh, I didn't think we were supposed to have that. Everything. We're going to say, God, I surrender everything to you. And if there's anything that's not of you, get rid of it in me. Wow. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Anger. Resentment. Hatred. Some cursing. Man. Talk about taking inventory. I'm just, hey. I'm just the messenger. I didn't write this. Okay. We have to surrender it to God. And guess what? When that happens, it becomes part of our testimony. And said, you know what? You won't realize this, but I used to have this, and I don't anymore. You see, many of y'all didn't know me when I was a youthful person, but I have a very sharp wit. And because I had a very sharp wit, I had a very sharp tongue. And because I had a very sharp tongue, I could debate twist I could tear you down and you didn't even know it this is not something I'm bragging about but I had to surrender it say God never let my words tear people down see it was very easy for me but you can't go around encouraging others when you're criticizing and that was a big part of me that, that that's how I could win an argument and now I have to say God let me love people the way you love people there's parts of your character that may need to be surrendered at the cross that you know are not of God. You know that are, are deceptive or manipulative and you have to surrender it because you're not going to grow if you're keeping the things of this world. See, your testimony is not just I once was lost but now I'm found. But it also includes I was ready to give up but God gave me strength. It also was when I thought I hit rock bottom, that's when I realized I was in God's hands. Your testimony could be that when I was too tired to continue, God carried and gave me strength. That's all part of our testimony. Our testimony is being written every day. It wasn't about something that happened back in 1962 when you had an experience. Your testimony is as of up to what happened this morning. Man, God blessed me in my work. God protected our family in the car. God has opened up opportunities. These are our testimonies. It doesn't have to be some scroll thing that's written with a quill pen. Back in the year of our Lord of 1962, I had a... Re no, no, no. Your revelation is today about what God is doing. But Satan doesn't want you thinking about that. Because what happens is you start encouraging other people. When you say, man, I was so depressed and I was going through this difficult time, but God brought in peace and joy. And I remember I was just on my knees and I was crying before God and I had a joy that just came over and overtook me. And somebody that has, somebody that has depression is going to be saying, wait a minute, I want that. But if he can keep you from sharing it, he just kept you from sharing it to someone else. 
We need to be a vocal church telling everybody about what God's done in our life. You're here today and you're not in the hospital. Praise God on that, right? I mean, that's our testimony. Revelation 12:11 says they won victory over him because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. See, Satan understands the value of your, your joy. He understands the value of your dreams. He understands the value of your purpose. He understands the value of your testimony. And he wants to steal them from you. And it's a very subtle thing that you realize, wait a minute, I, I, I don't have that the way I used to. And if you're going through a time when you feel that all hell is coming against you, I want to encourage you. Because our God is greater. My God is bigger. My God is mightier. My God is holier. <laughs> My God is full of resources. My God is full of peace. My God is full of love. He is full of joy. He has unlimited resources. There is nothing too difficult for him. He can heal any disease. He can deliver me out of any situation. He can protect me from any situation this world has to give. That's our testimony. That's what we need to be sharing. God has something great for you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You are not junk. You are not a mistake. You weren't created. And God said, what? Oh, I, I, I took, that was the day I took the day off. And, I, and he was born. Or she was born. No. God has a plan and a purpose to lift you up. He has a direction for you if you'll seek him. Galatians 6, 9 says, we can't allow ourselves to get tired of living the right way. Wow can't get tired of living the right way certainly each of us will receive everlasting life at a proper time if we don't give up man let's talk about fight the good fight some people are fighting the wrong fights you know and when you die it doesn't care if you're CEO of one of the world's largest corporations did you declare Christ as your Lord and Savior could it be that God is about to take us to new places I believe he is y'all would stand I'd like for you to, to go through that declaration we went through last week we printed some out there might be some back on the back table we'll have it on the screen but if you're tired of Satan stealing from you here's your declaration this might be something this is not just something we're saying right now this might be something you have to start declaring each day start taking authority in your household Start taking authority in, in your body. Start getting this in your mind that this is even just going through your mind. So would you all say this with me one more time, please? All right. Our declaration. Lord, I recognize that the enemy has stolen from me, and I want to take action against him. Lord Jesus, you yourself said that the thief has come only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But you came to give us life in abundance. I might stand with you, Jesus, and in your name I say to the enemy who is trying to steal from me, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I am demanding in Jesus' name that he give back what has been taken. My love, my joy, my relationships, my health, my family, I receive it and fall back by faith right now. Thank you, Lord for helping me to recover what has been stolen in these various areas of my life. I give you the glory and the honor for your redemptive work on my behalf. Amen. Can you all say a better amen than that? Amen. There we go. 
we're going to go back and take what has been stolen. You know, there was a song back in the 80s, and I'm going to speak a blessing over here in a minute. But do you remember that song that says, I'm going to the enemy's camp, and I'm taking back what he stole from me? Do you all remember that? You might need to brush off one of your cassette players and start getting that song out, but we got to go into the enemy's camp and start taking back what he stole from me. Because Satan is under your feet. Amen. Let me speak a blessing over you, and we'll dismiss. According to your word, God, we thank you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming today. We love you so very, very much.